This morning, I'm starting a new group of messages, and I thought I would kind of play off last the last series about EGRs, or those extra grace required people, and I thought, what, what if we didn't focus on those negative people, but went and focused on the positive aspects of our faith because of what the Word of God says? So that's what we're going to do. This morning, I'm starting a series I'm calling Be Positive. And to some degree, I think whether you're a positive person or not depends a lot upon your nature and how you were put together. Uh, Some people, for example, hear King David's words in Psalm 23 that say, my cup overflows, and they think, yes, the Lord is going to bless me. Other people hear those words, and they think, who's going to clean that up? Um, Your cup just overflowed. That's going to create a mess. And and all of us know people that their default setting is kind of like the glass is half empty. And some of you who think more practically are thinking, well, Pastor Steve, if you only filled it half full, you wouldn't spill it and it wouldn't overflow. Um, Some people who are just half glass, glass empty, people kind of try to convince everyone that they're not pessimists. They're just realists. And the translation for that is, I've been hurt. I have trouble trusting people. So I'm not a pessimist. I'm just a realist. And it's admitted that there are a lot of problems in today's world. There's, there's a lot of concern about things around us. And it doesn't seem in today's day and age that you can trust people like you could before to do the right thing. Politics are crazy. Uh, The economy isn't the greatest. And people don't seem to care about what the word of God says is the truth any longer. And as Jesus followers, we, we can't just stick our head in the sand and pretend that nothing's wrong. Somebody has to fight for what is right and good and fair. And maybe more importantly, somebody needs to do what is right and good and fair, even when we know it will not be appreciated or reciprocated. Micah 6.8 is instructive. Know, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. There is a great deal of negativity in our world, and it's not all without justification, but God is always doing amazing things if we just open our eyes and see them. There is good to be found, even in people. It's kind of like birds. I know it kind of stick with me a little bit, but turkey buzzards fly around all day, every day. And what do they look for? Dead, stinky stuff that's been hit by a car. And guess what? They find it, and they eat it, which is really, really gross. But you know what? Hummingbirds fly around all day, every day, too. But what do they look for? Sweet things, colorful sweet things that are beautiful. And guess what? They find it, and they eat it, and we think it's beautiful to watch them, which proves the point you find what you look for in life. It's biblical. I'm, I'm just not making this stuff up. Proverbs eleven twenty seven says this. If you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, 
It will find you. you. You find what you search for. You find what you look for. Now, you might not believe me, and I'm just totally making the percentage up, but I think many of the problems, maybe even as high as 90% of the problems we experience in life come through the lens we look through. Let me illustrate with some issues at church. Man, can you believe the way people park around this place? Where did these morons learn to park? Can, can you believe what they're charging for coffee in the cafe? A buck? I bet you that cost them 10 cents. And the music around this place is just way too loud. If this keeps up, I don't know if I'm coming back. And why can't we sing more hymns? For what I give here, I think we should do things my way. And if that preacher asks me to raise my hand one more time, I'm buying him a cat. <laughs> or the same issues. Can you believe the number of people that God has brought here this morning? The parking lot is absolutely packed. God is awesome. And I am so impressed that when we walk in the door, all the proceeds from that cafe, they give all that money away to missions to show people Jesus. Those volunteers are just serving so that we can connect as a church and show other people Jesus. And the praise band around here rocks. I cannot believe, I don't think I've ever attended another church with so many young families. And I appreciate they do a hymn every week too. I feel great supporting this church because they're making a difference. What a vision. And you know what? I kind of think that preacher asked me to raise my hands so that new people around here don't feel as awkward about raising their hand to accept Jesus. And he's right. Cats are evil. <laughs> you see, it, it's just the lens we look through. That There is always something to complain about. And we all know people that always find it. But you know what? There is always something positive to celebrate too. And finding it isn't just a mind game. We can be hopeful and positive based on the truth of God's word. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. Eight reasons to be positive from Romans chapter eight. Number one, if you're taking notes, we can be hopeful because our sins are forgiven and we have life in Christ. This is from Romans eight, one and two. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. That's good news. Now, I can't speak for you, but I know that God has forgiven me for a lot of things. And I am thankful that Jesus died to give me life instead of the death that I deserved. I am hopeful, not because of what I feel, but because of what the word of God says is true. What Jesus did for me and you is true. Jesus freed us from death and gave us life. And if you have asked Christ to come into your heart as your Lord and Savior, he has freed you from death too. Thank you, Jesus. Reason number two. I am hopeful 
Because Jesus is pleading for me. This is Romans 8, 34. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Now, I don't care who you are. That's awesome. Jesus himself, the son of God, sits at the place of honor. And what is he doing next to the father? Pleading for us. Jesus is for us. Whether you double parked in the parking lot and made somebody mad or not this morning, Jesus is still for you. I appreciate it when people pray for myself and my family. I can honestly say I don't know how we have gotten through the last year except for the prayers of God's people. It's not over, but God's not done with this yet either. It's amazing that God is for us. And he doesn't just use the prayers of his people. He does. But God himself, Jesus Christ, sits next to the Father and pleads for us. That's awesome. Number three, we have hope because the future glory is greater than our present suffering. Romans 8.18. Yet what we suffer now is is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. What's coming is greater. The, the current suffering will be nothing compared to the glory later. You have to take into consideration who's saying this in Romans 8.18. It, it was the apostle Paul. Do you, do you remember all the suffering Paul lived through? He had a constant health problem, probably an eye issue. He was beaten, shipwrecked, whipped, left for dead, tortured, bitten by a snake for those of you who hate snakes, put in prison, and eventually killed for his faith. That guy is saying this will all totally be worth it when we get to see Jesus face to face. Wow. Some of you are going through a season right now and you can't even see light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm not here to say that that's not difficult. I'm here to say when we experience all God has for us one day, this will all seem trivial. We are hopeful because God is just that good. And he has that much in store for us. We are not hopeful based on what we feel, but on the truth of God's word. Number four, we have hope because we have the spirit. And the spirit brings peace and life. Romans 8, 6. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your minds leads to life and peace. For those of you who've been around here for a while, you've heard me say this, but thoughts become words. Words become actions. Actions become habits. Habits will determine your character, and your character will determine your destiny. The Spirit of God can transform your thinking, which changes your destiny. That supernatural work will change your eternal destiny and lead to peace and life. We can have hope because God 
will complete the work that he started in us when we asked him to be our, our Lord and Savior. He's not done yet. Sure, you might be wired as one of those glass half empty kind of people, but God can change your thinking. Even if you're a realist, God can change your thinking and bring life and peace to you, mind, body, and spirit. We can have hope in him. Number five, we can be full of hope because no one can change God's mind about us. He is for us. Look at Romans 8, 31 through 33. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with him. I've done things I'm not proud of in life. You've done things you're not proud of in life. But Jesus took the punishment for all those things. He was given up for all of us. If God gave his one and only son, why wouldn't he give us everything else he has in store for us? There is nothing more precious than God's only son. And the gift that he gave us through faith is a right standing with God. We now stand, you're sitting, before God right with him. No judgment, no condemnation. Jesus' words on the cross echo through all eternity. It is finished. We now have God's favor. We stand in his presence as righteous, holy, forgiven, sons and daughters of the king. If you show up to church here during the week and I have my door closed, uh, my assistant will probably tell you that I'm busy and you can't go in because I've told her when I'm working on the sermon, I need a chunk of time. I can't get interrupted all the time. I need, I need to lock away. But if you were one of my kids and you showed up midweek, you would walk right past Daphne and right into my office because my kids are my kids and they always have permission to come in my door and interrupt me no matter what I'm doing. We are sons and daughters of the king and we can come into God's presence because we always has his, his favor. We always have his love. He is for us. Number six, we can have hope because the Holy Spirit helps us when we are weak. Romans 8, 24 through 26. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we do not yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We often need help 
in this spiritual journey. And we hope for it to be complete. But the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. God prays for us, and the Holy Spirit helps us when we don't have the strength to do it on our own, which all of us know is often. Whenever we're down, the Holy Spirit holds us up. Whenever we're hurting, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Whenever we feel alone, the Holy Spirit is our friend. When we're weak, he gives us strength. Why are we hopeful as Christians? Not because of what we feel, but because of the truth of God's word. He is for us and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Number seven, we're hopeful because God is working everything out for our good. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. There is not one thing that will ever happen in your life that will take God by surprise. Not everything that happens in your life will be good, but God can use all of that for your good. One day, all of us will be able to look back and say these words. You know what? That was terrible, but I can see how God used it. I thought that was the worst thing ever at the time, but God used it to bring me closer to him. At the time, you might not see God in it, but faith, faith just whispers to us to trust God at his word, that he is there even when we can't see him. I, I hope this sinks into somebody's heart this morning because the very thing that might be crushing you today will be something you look back on and say, I can now see that Jesus was there and he is for me and that everything that happened worked out for my good. Hold on to that promise, however long it takes. We, we can have hope, we can be positive, not because of what we feel, but because of what the word of God says. And number eight, we can have hope because nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 38 through 39. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I hope somebody gets this today because God loves you. You cannot outrun him. You cannot escape his love for you. God will never stop pursuing you. Maybe you're here today because you tried to outrun God. You tried to escape him, but something in your spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, just wouldn't let you go. 
God's not going to give up on you. People have been praying for you. Jesus himself has been praying for you. The Holy Spirit has been working in your weakness, and Christ died so that you could live. He's been working everything out in your life so that you could come to this moment to choose him. And the mistakes and the things that you've done in the past are forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ. God didn't cause all that, but by golly, he'll use everything to show you his love and to bring you into his presence. Our part is just to accept it as a gift. I hope this word hits home with someone here today because you may have walked in with one set of lenses on, but you can be positive and hopeful and put on eyes of faith because God is for you. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that your presence is in this place. And we thank you for your goodness and we thank you for your word in which we take hope in this morning. And God, we thank you that out of one chapter come so many reasons that we can be positive and hopeful because of you and your character. And as we're praying, God, I know that there are people here that need to put their hope in you, that need to know that you are for them, you love them. God, every one of us have done things that we're not proud of. And the Bible calls that sin. And it says that that sin, our sin, separates us from you. But God, your word says that your son took that barrier away. And God, that we can walk into your presence as sons and daughters of the king. And I'm hopeful, God, this morning, because I believe with all my heart that you brought people here this morning that needed to hear that good news, people that want to invite you in. And I want to pray a, a prayer that's on the screen together this morning, uh, just in case there's just even one person here. I, I know that God brought more, so would you pray this with me? I need his forgiveness. I need his grace. Today, by faith, I surrender I give my whole life to him. I need his forgiveness. I surrender completely to Jesus. And God, that, that's our prayer this morning. And we pray that as we surrender to you, that your Holy Spirit would fill us, convince us, God, by the truth of your word, that, that we are forgiven, we are your children, and that we can come into your presence as people of faith who know your love and your truth, in your name, amen. This morning, we're gonna celebrate the meal that symbolizes Jesus giving his life for us. And on the night that he was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it. And he said to his disciples, this is my body broken for you. And he was broken that we might be made whole one body experiencing his grace and his forgiveness. So come and eat, all of you. 
when the supper was over, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And his blood washed us clean. And through faith, we are now sons and daughters of the king. Take and drink, all of you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Thanks be to God. God, we ask that the gift of this cup and loaf would be for us the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And that as we experience his grace, God, that we would experience his forgiveness and the truth of his word that, God, you are for us. In Jesus' name, amen.